Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Wednesday night, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what that means. It's time for the Wednesday Night Wars podcast right here on Fightful.com, FightfulSelect.com, FightfulWrestling.com, YouTube.com, slash Fightful, wherever you decide to get all your Fightful stuff. The important thing is that you're here right now with us. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes, and I will be guiding you throughout this entire evening of proceedings as we break down both AEW dynamite and wwe nxt right here before your very eyes and there's we're very happy that you're here because coming live to us every evening shows shows that you care shows shows that you're really into us and that's really fun but another way that you could also show just how into us you are is by subscribing to fightful select fightful's uh, extra service, premium service, where a place where you can get all sorts of extra fantastic content. Uh, you just uh, where you, where you can get look a bunch of extra podcasts. Notwithstanding, I mean, this is just a sample here that I'm going to give you guys. Sean Sean Rossap, he does a weekly backstage uh, report podcast. He does a Q and A as well, very very f- frequently, where you can ask as a member, you can ask him a ton of questions and he'll answer them. And, and, and that's fantastic. You got Steven Jensen who does the uh, who covers everything non WWE related over the weekend. I calls it the Weekender Report if you wanna if you wanna imagine that. There's all sorts of fantastic stuff there, including Alex Palowski's Sour Graps, which is a a, a persistent review of Raw and SmackDown on Fightful Select, done of course by Alex Palowski, who uh, who uh, who to him. Coming here to join us on Wednesdays is the equivalent of a of a lunch break in regards to uh, WWE programming. Alex, how are you tonight? Uh, you know it's it's great. Wednesdays are like a little vacation for me every week. Uh, I this is this is great. Um, uh, I did a show last night reviewing Raw, uh, where I I likened uh, the new brainchild of Shane McMahon raw underground to the movie event horizon. Um, it's basically a trip through hell and you'll be lucky if you make it back alive. Uh, so 
you know, I talked for 96 minutes about a random episode of Raw. I think I might have a problem. Well, a, a problem perhaps for you, but it's oodles of entertainment for us sub subscribers to Fightful Select. It's the best way, the most direct way to show support uh, for what we do here at Fightful. And of course, joining us as well as Alex tonight to talk about AEW, it's our pal from across the pond, Louis Dangor. Louis, how are you tonight or this morning? However it is you want to interpret it. I don't know. I'm I'm sad. You're sad? Mm, we'll get into talking about why I'm sad. Is it is it something Alex said? It's not something Alex said. It's I mean, certain... I, 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 I did say that uh, that uh, Matt Cardona looked positively zacked this evening. And, and I know that that just sent poor Louis spiraling into a deep depression. And I, and for, that, for that, I am sorry. It's Sue's van. I'm just... <laughs> How's she going to get home? Well, we're going we're gonna to get into all of that stuff here this evening indeed. Uh, and folks, if you, want, as, if you want to, you can drop us a super chat as we're going along here. It's another great way to support what we do, like directly here live. And I will read your question or comment live as we go along. But the first and most important question that we're going to start off with this evening, who won between NXT and AEW? Alex? NXT. Louie. NXT. Well, there you go. We're going to start by diving right into tonight's edition of NXT. That opened up with uh, Rhea Ripley versus Dakota Kai. Uh, haven't seen Reina Gonzalez for the last uh, few couple of weeks. Hope she's okay, because if there was ever a, a time you would have figured that Reina Gonzalez would have been useful at ringside, it would have been tonight, at least as some sort of an insurance policy. Turns out Dakota did fine. Rhea was in control early on with some big strikes and some kicks. She hits a stalling vertical suplex on Kai as well. She clobbers her down. Kai fights back but eats an electric chair face slam on the side of the apron. That looked gnarly. Kai slows things down but is met with some knees to the face. An electric chair face slam in the ring this time. Kai fights back with some kicks. She reverses out of the, uh, the riptide with a DDT and that was awesome. But uh, Ripley gets her into the standing clover relief. You think she's done, but uh, Dakota Kai reverses and throws Ripley into the corner, followed by a face wash kick right there. And then out of nowhere runs in Mercedes Martinez, who kicks Ripley. And that allows Dakota Kai to hit the JTK for the win. A little later on, well, not a little later on, excuse me, even before that. Mercedes then, after the match, comes into the ring, hits an air raid crash on Ripley. And a little later on, we uh, we see the Robert Stone crew outside, Aaliyah, Robert Stone, and Mercedes Martinez. And all Robert has to say is the Robert Stone brand is not done with Rhea Ripley. Look at that for some long-term storytelling, Alex. <laughs> well, exactly. I love how... Even, even in the best version of WWE, long-term storytelling is three weeks. <laughs> like, that's that's what I love about it. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe they tied that in well, you know. from the thing that happened last month. That's crazy how good that is. Uh, but that, that really is, that's what we have to accept now. Well, you know, um, it's like when you're training a dog, you know, he does something good. You give him a bit of a cookie, you know, and there you go. You move on. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the creative... 
does seem oftentimes like it was written by Airbud. That that's true. That's 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 true. Uh, oh my God, that dog does creative for wrestling shows. That's not possible. Uh, there's nothing in the rule books that says a dog can't write storylines for WWE. There you go. I, I've looked in the real book. It's not there. So um, I <laughs> I like the match. Um, I love Rhea Ripley and and watching her in this match. It 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 just throws into stark relief how ridiculous and stupid and ultimately short-sighted a decision it was to take the title off of her and put it on Charlotte Mania. They, they, she's, she's, ab she's so friggin' special. And they decided to just take all that momentum and just throw it away, and now she's got to build it up from ground zero. Now, um, the right person won. Dakota Kai going on to Io Shirai. Io Shirai has a very strong title defense at TakeOver 30. looks like a million bucks. Moves on to wherever she goes from there. And Dakota Kai will look great in defeat. That's just, I'm predicting that now. Um, but a while ago, we were, we were pitching. Mercedes Martinez shows up and immediately calls out Rhea Ripley because she wants to, to take the baddest bitch in the yard and show her, no, 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 that's my title. I'm the baddest bitch in the yard. I think that's a great feud for both women, Mercedes Martinez and Rhea Ripley. Um, I don't like this being like Robert Stone sent Mercedes Martinez out to beat up Rhea Ripley because Robert Stone is butthurt after Rhea Ripley kicked his ass a few times. I want it to be this is why Mercedes Martinez hired Robert Stone so he could make sure she got a match versus Rhea Ripley. And when he took too long, she did it herself because Rhea Ripley is the target that Mercedes Martinez has always had. That's a much better storyline than Robert Stone being like, well, let me tell you, Rhea Ripley may be done with the Robert Stone brand, but the Robert Stone brand isn't done with Rhea Ripley. It's all my idea. I'm Robert Stone. That's bad. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, the reason I pitched Raquel Gonzalez uh, being the person who was going to do this is because it made sense with a with a heater being there on behalf of Dakota Kai. When she wasn't there, then they got to do something. And I'm glad it was this. Because let me tell you, whoo, Rhea versus Mar Mercedes is going to bang. It's going to be so good. Anakin GMT left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. He says, uh, not crazy about Rhea not being done with Robert Stone brand. But we do get Rhea versus Mercedes, so I'll take it. Yeah, to uh, Alex's point, indeed. Uh, you, you know, maybe, or you know, maybe Robert Stone will turn out to be this uh, this great puppeteering uh, evil genius, and uh, and we'll all be better off for it. But thank you for the super chat. And by the way, folks, I do see a lot of your super chats. A lot of them are going to tie into matches and sequ uh, sequences and uh, uh, and segments that we're going to talk about later on in the show so i'm just reserving them for there don't worry we see a shot of uh, pat mcafee who's talking with uh hbk you know alex you saw it on social media right uh everything was cool cole and oh, yeah. uh, cole, uh, cole and mcafee they, they, they all made they all made up they're all cool yeah they, they buried the hatchet yeah. the hatch that hatchet that hatchet is buried that that hatchet is 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 buried deeper than several careers at this point in WWE. I'll tell you that. Next, we got Bronson Reed versus Shane Thorne back from his excursion over on Raw. 
uh, I, I will say that, that uh, Thorne looked really, really good in this match. He hits a crazy dive onto uh, Reed on the outside, putting the suicide in suicide dive. Uh, but he eats a full Nelson slam. Uh, Thorne then knocks out Reed in the corner with drop kicks and a leaping cannonball, which was really good. Reed does a gorilla press and, and a senton. They wail on each other, and Thorne eats a lariat, a Death Valley driver, and the big splash from the top rope from your boy Bronson. Uh, there, I mean, there was no question on who was going to win here, but. This was uh, this was a lot better than uh, than I was expecting it to be, Alex. This was a good uh, enhancement match. Yeah, it was. And Shane, Shane Thorne is no slouch. I I said at the time um, when he was part of the Mighty uh, in WWE uh, and he hurt his knee, um, I was like, that sucks because he was really coming into his own. The, that the the finals of of the Dusty Classic that year, them versus the Authors of Pain, that crazy dive he took off the top of that ladder. Yeah. I was like, this guy's got something special. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's charismatic. And I thought to myself, if his partner was the one who got injured, by the time Nick Miller was back from injury, Shane Thorne would have been a single star. Like they they wouldn't, they when, when Shane Thorne went down, Nick Miller went on the shelf. We never saw him again. Until until Shane uh, Thorne was healthy, and then they finally they finally just fired Nick Miller. Mm -hmm. Shane Thorne's still around. He's a heel now. He's still doing great, fantastic stuff to watch. Um, he's one of those guys that is so good in defeat, he doesn't look like he loses anything. Especially against a guy like Bronson Reed, who you know they're trying to push at least at this point. We will see after Takeover Thirty what happens with that. But right now they got to make him look legit so he belongs in that title ladder match, and and he did. And I, I really, I'm really digging Bronson Reed. I love the stuff they did later on between him and Damian Priest. That's that's all great. Um, I'm glad to see Shane Thorne back on NXT because that thing on Raw didn't make any friggin' sense to me. By the way, where's Brendan Vink? I thought he was supposed to be a big time superstar. Oh, Vinkamania is just cooling down for a second. You know, that's the WWE way. You heat up someone, then you cool them down. It's super important. That's right. how you build stars, Alex. I didn't. I don't know how you don't understand this stuff. No, no, it's true. Every time I make a frozen pizza. Uh, I, I pull it out of the oven, I put it right back in the freezer. That's how I like my pizza. <laughs> Completely agree. Uh, Fantastic. Brizango, Brizango arrive, uh, I mean, continuing, perpetuating uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the sentiment of, 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 uh, of insecurity in the parking lot at full sale. Uh, Brizango get jumped by, uh, by uh, Santos Escobar's crew. And actually, Fandango gets... Uh, tossed into the van they dry off drive off excuse me a little later on in the evening they come out the legado del fantasma come out and uh, and they uh they toss fandango into the ring uh, saying that uh, brizango mocked and spit in the face of lucha libre hey they did that to canadians too yeah you don't see kevin owens running in anyway um so uh I would love it. I would love it if if Legado de Fantasma joined forces with 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 Everrise and they became the real League of Nations. Like that would be so that would great. Be funny. The uh, Tyler then uh, comes out to say Fandago, but he's uh, outnumbered when Santos uh, when he's outnumbered, and uh, Santos warns Isaiah Swerve Scott not to speak his name, or the Legado del Fantasma will do the same to him. Um, give me your thoughts on how this is going. Uh, well, hang on. I, I actually want to preface this with some with something. Uh, 
We're, we're talking about hot cool. You know, it's a good thing that they started to cool down that Drake Maverick kid, right? Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, that guy was coming in hot and uh, woo, we had to just pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, well, you know, I guess he got his job back. That's all he really needs, right, Alex? Yeah, he's got a paycheck. That's that's that was that. I, I hope Drake didn't think that they were gonna rehire him and then like give him a push as a serious wrestler, because that was never gonna happen. You you decided to stay here, beg for your job, have a great little storyline where you ultimately look like a loser after after us rooting for you for several weeks. You ultimately look like a loser, but then you saved your job and you got your paycheck. That's fine. You can make that decision, but I, I hope he didn't believe that, like, oh, next Cruiserweight champion, Drake Maverick, because that was never going to happen. What I will say about this whole thing that they just sure. did, um, what a missed opportunity. They, they, they abducted Fandango and left Tyler Breeze there. You could have stretched this out over a month. Had, a, had, had Fashion Files come back with just Tyler Breeze trying to hunt for abducted Fandango, looking for clues, he's got a he's got a big magnifying glass, it, but like it, it would be he's just doing Columbo spots <laughs> where he like asks a bunch of people, then he starts to walk out, and then he gets like all the way to the parking lot, turns around, comes back, and goes, uh, 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 one more question. Like it would be so great, and then when he finally finds Fandango, Fandango has been brainwashed into being a luchador. Like that, that is. The storyline that I wanted for Brizongo when they showed up in NXT, you have the luxury of being able to let these guys do their creative stuff and come out on top and look great doing it. Um, to have to have them abduct Fandango earlier today and then just bring him back to the PC later, you don't return to the scene of crime that early, guys. That's not how that's not how that works. But I, I, am I glad we're going to see Breeze and Fandango uh, versus Legado de Montasmo? Yes. And I like that they're doing this thing because all those vignettes were uh, Breeze and Dango saying, we're funny when we when we come to the mm -hmm. ring. When we're in the ring, we mean business. Mm -hmm. And I want to see if now they mean business on their way to the ring, too. Like, how this is going to change them. W am I going to miss crazy Breezango outfits? Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm all for story progression of these guys because I think they're super talented. Anakin left us a super chat, says, hey... That's a plausible thing to do with pizza, Alex. I don't do it, but I do put my son's ramen in the freezer for a minute or two to cool it down. But I think I think what Alex means is that you you, you cook it and then you freeze it back again. I think that's yes, that was the thing. I I put it back in the freezer for a day and then I take it out of the freezer and I put it back in the oven yes. and then I just I just repeat that over and over and over again until I release the pizza and get tell it good luck in its future endeavors. <laughs> As opposed to just. Wanting to put it in there just to, you know, so that it's not, it doesn't burn the roof of your mouth. No, no, right, 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 right. I, I understand the, the quibble that he had. I was just extending my metaphor to the, to the end yes, joke. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Thank you for that. <laughs> Damien Priest defeated Oni Lorcan and Ridge Holland to enter the uh, uh, NXT uh, U, um, North American title ladder match at TakeOver 30. That's a lot of words. This starts off fast with Oni uh, diving onto both dudes on, uh, on the outside. Uh, Holland, I think he hit a Cobra Clutch suplex. I could be wrong, but I think that's what he hit. Uh, he and Priest slug it out until Oni launches himself onto the dunes. And God, I love Oni Lorcan for that kind of stuff where there's just action happening. Then all of a sudden, whoa, he just falls from the sky completely recklessly. I love that stuff. 
he hits a double blockbuster on them, running European uppercuts, a spinning slam by Holland, though, on Oni brings a, a, a stall to all of that momentum. And Damien Priest hits the reckoning on Lorcan to get the pin. Was a fine match, was strong. I'd say my least favorite of the three triple threats we got so far, but I'd like to hear what you think, Alex, about all of this. I, I think that, that it, it, to me, it, only, it, it can only be the least favorite of the three because in the other two, we got unexpected finishes. And I think you were walking in this thing th saying there's no way they put the thing on. They, they give it to, to Oni. Like, Oni's been here forever. They're not going to do anything with him at this point. They might, like, bring in Ridge Holland to just, like, say, we, we're, we want to see what happens if we push this guy a little mm -hmm. bit. Like, what does he do over the next few weeks? What does he do in the ladder match? And then they'll figure it out from there. Um, but the most obvious thing, I think like a 70% chance of happening, was Priest winning, and he did. And so that in itself makes it less interesting to me. Um, I, think, I thought the finish was great. Um, I thought it was like I, I was not a uh, longtime viewer of the, the NXT UK program. Uh, pro program. Um, so I... I um, I didn't see uh, Mr. Holland uh, and his opus uh, on the um, in, in, in uh, on the other side of the pond, so I didn't I didn't know what to expect. I I he came like when the lights came up on him uh, on top of the ramp with a flat cap and the trench coat, just like like a slab of beef, and I <laughs> and I didn't know like so like somebody took like a side of beef and they put a, a trench coat and a flat cap on him. And then handed the slab of beef like a, a big black dildo. Because that's what I thought it was from, from the angle he was holding it out. I didn't see it was a truncheon. It looked like a big rubber black cock. And I was like, that's a weird, this is a weird choice for a prop to give a guy on a peach. Oh, it's not. It's a, it's a truncheon. It's a billy club. Okay, fine. I didn't know anything about this guy. It's my, it's my bad. Um, but I'm just saying like fr from first look. Then I was totally impressed by everything he did in the ring. I thought it was, he's got a really cool move set. Um, uh, he's able to sell for guys really well. Usually guys who are, who look like that, like have a really hard time, like making it look believable mm -hmm. that they're taking damage. And he did that really well. He's a natural at it. And I think that is, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see where they go with him, uh, from here on out. Priest winning, ultimately unsurprising. Loney taking the pin, Loney, Loney, uh, Loney Orkin taking the pinfall, uh, totally, uh, foreseeable. Uh, so we'll see uh, where all, all this goes. Priest being in this, Priest is kind of the obvious choice to be the next uh, North American sure. champion. So we'll see what they do with this in the ladder match. Man, I wish they, I wish they pulled the trigger uh, with Oni on something. I really do. Yeah, I think he has, I think he has a lot to offer, and he wrestles in a, in a, in a very different pace than what we're used to in in WWE programming. I, I honestly thought at some point he and Birch were going to be transitional champions for like mm -hmm. two weeks or something and give it up on the on like to, to to a debuting team on like a regular NXT episode or you know 205 Live he's been hanging on 205 Live forever like you figure like he might get like a three week reign or something you know like who knows I think he's great but again Oni Lorkin is literally made out of bulletproof material I'd get him up to SmackDown. I mean, SmackDown's short of tag teams. Him, him, and Danny him, Burke yeah, on SmackDown. That's, that's true. And yeah. Danny Burke and Only Lorcan versus Cesaro. Oh sure, <laughs> anytime, any day. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. take that. Keith Lee defeated Cameron Grimes. 
and his hat. Uh, this was th this was fine. Grimes started off the match by by cowering in the corner, but Lee finally gets in control. Sends Grimes uh, sends him hard into the corner, flips into the floor. Uh, however, once they're onto the floor, Grimes trips uh, Lee. Actually, I think he drop kicks uh, his leg, and ran, rams him into the stairs, and hits an SIE moonsault to the floor. So Grimes uh, gets in control for a while here. He even rolls out of the Big Bang ca uh, catastrophe at, at one point, hits the, his spinning Spanish fly power slam thing uh, on Lee, which is impressive. Uh, but Lee, uh, Lee gets back in control, hits some short arm, short arm lariats and a spirit bomb, puts our boy Grimes away. Uh, this, this was a good match to showcase, uh, to showcase Keith Lee. Um, I mean, you know, w there was no way in hell that Cameron Grimes is going to win this, but, uh, I thought that the, this, uh, shined a good light on both the champion and, uh, and Grimes as well, who's. Stock has been rising over the past couple of weeks. Alex, uh, do you have any thoughts? Um, well, this is the thing. This is the thing. Uh, the the main roster style of booking has been creeping uh, from from the margins from the Monday and the Friday. It's been creeping toward Wednesday this whole time, mm -hmm. and eventually, it's just going to infect the whole host. The whole host body will be infected with this parasite, <laughs> and we won't have NXT anymore. It'll just be Wednesday Night Raw. Um, I am done with the, we're going to make this giant dude a babyface champion. So what he's got to do every night is take all kinds of damage from a dude half his size and sell for most of the match. Because what we love about that guy is that he takes a lot of damage. No, what we love about Keith Lee is he's a monster who wrecks dudes. I don't need to see him take selling for Cameron Grimes for 10 minutes. Like, like the... I understand the psychology of it, but I, I just want to see Keith Lee run through dudes who right. are the size of Cameron Grimes. I'm mean, not to be a sizist, but I, I mean, like, it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense for Keith Lee, who we know could like bench press a Mack truck, to be like, "Oh no, you did your flippy Spanish fly thing to me. I'm powerless." Like, it doesn't make any sense for him. To, he should just like stand there and like have have Cameron Grimes try to backflip and him like, "No, I'm not doing that." Like that that should that should be him in these kinds of matches. And then when he gets in a match with a guy like Killer Cross, then you got something to see. Right now, I feel like they've been the same thing with with Big E. Like took they 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 let the Miz beat up Big E for like 12 minutes before Big E beat up Big E should be able to yeet Miz into the sun. Like you don't do that with these giant guys. You let them be giant, powerful guys. So I I'm I'm here for this Keith Lee versus Killer Cross thing, Karrion Cross thing. Especially since Karrion Cross is like apparently murdering everyone backstage. The only time they don't have a camera backstage to catch one of these back back type brawls is is when Killer Cross is literally murdering everyone backstage. Right. Well, sp let's speak about it. The lights go off and we hear Scarlet's voice speaking in a in a foreign language, or as like my subtitles here up up north like to say, in an alternate language. <laughs> Before Karrion Cross, we ever figure out what what that language was? My favorite part was he. She says that, and there's a brief pause before Cross comes up on the Titantron. You hear one guy in the audience go, "Uh, subtitles." <laughs> and I'm like, I, I hope it's the same guy 
who suggested an eye for an eye match to Drew McIntyre in his thing with uh, Dolph Ziggler. I want one. I hope it's Boogenhagen. I hope it's that guy. I think it's Rick Boogs, the Boogs. who's back there, like who's the class clown in the back of the uh, back of the classroom, going subtitle. Uh, you know he's getting a talking to by uh, by Kevin Dunn after that. Um, Killer Cross shows up on the big screen and he says that they it appears they're going to be doing things the hard way. Uh, before he reveals that he's taking out Finn Balor. Okay. Was that Finn? I thought that was, I thought that was Oni. That was Oni. It was which Oni. Is why Danny Birch. That was Oni. That was which Oni. Is why Danny Birch has has a match versus Cross next week. Oh, there you go. Okay. It was it was blurry and in black and white, and they never mentioned who it was. So I don't blame you for being confused. Because it was like, you'd think, they did a whole backstage report about a box being tipped over on Raw. You'd think they would have an, a reporter on the spot to interview people who witnessed Karrion Cross attempt murder on the entire locker room. But I guess not. Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin. Says, two weeks in a row, I'm disappointed Lee doesn't tear Grimes' hat in two. Now, hang on a second. I don't know why people... Keep wishing should, the worst. You should just do the old timey thing. You know what they used to do with top hats? What did they? You take the top hat and just punch <laughs> through it, and then he's got a little flap on the top of his oh, head. Oh well, you see, and he looks like an idiot. But or or then like he could store things in there. So maybe maybe that would work. Yeah. But you know, look like like a rabbit, like a rabbit, pull a rabbit out of a hat. Justin Lopez left us a super chat as well. Thank you, Justin. Says I am a Ridge Holland guy. That dude's going to be big. He did have a very good showing tonight. Did. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. We had a segment from uh, NXT General Manager William Regal and informs us that unfortunately Dexter Loomis is going to be removed from the ladder match, and uh, Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor have expressed valid complaints uh, about not being pinned in their qualifiers. So in two weeks there is going to be two singles matches between the men who didn't um, who didn't factor in the finish of the triple threats to determine the final two entrants in the takeover ladder match. But Alex, I thought there was six entrants. I'm confused. No, Help me. It's, it's, it's so the confusing. Bump. It's so confusing. The bump, because you got to watch the bump to get any of your news. Apparently. Oh, am I missing? I don't know. I'm missing out on, on alternate programming. It's kind of yeah. like with star Wars and the extended universe. If you didn't read the novel, right. you didn't understand how, okay, you I get it. You, you, you don't do the bump. You have no idea what's going on with all due respect to Jeremy Lambert. Who the fuck watches the bump? <laughs> so apparently the, on the bump, they announced it's going to be Kushida versus Cameron Grimes. They announced Grimes was in this match this qualifying match for North American title before he took a clean loss to Keith Lee, which I feel like should bump him out of sure, contention. I agree. Like that doesn't make any sense to like announce him in the match before he loses the match. Then now what? He's still, he's still going to be a contender. What does that make any sense? Hey, Kushida's going to be on TV. We, we great. That's great. We haven't seen him forever and a mystery opponent. I'll get back to him later. So, <laughs> We've got notes. so William Regal, William Regal says in daylight. So he recorded that this afternoon um, we just saw Damian Priest uh, win his triple threat match. Did you did you see it in the future, William? Because you're recording that in obvious daylight, and that happened after you recorded it because it happened at nighttime, ostensibly. So it's weird that he's saying that. Anyway, William Regal, the rules of a triple threat match are, even if you don't get pinned or submitted, if you're not the guy who does the pinning or the submitting, you still lose. They do not have valid gripes. 
Like, that's not a valid gripe. You lost. It's a triple threat match. You know what the rules are. Finn Balor and Geraldine Gargano, you don't have valid gripes. What this all feels like, and I hope I'm wrong, is that Dexter Lewis is fine, and they're kayfabe writing him out because they had to write somebody out because they're panicking, and they're not going to be able to do a rising stars uh, uh, quintuple threat ladder match so we got to get Finn and Johnny Gargano in there somehow. We already made the right decision to have them lose their triple threat matches, but now we got to get them in there somehow. So we're going to put them, we're going to put um, Gargano versus Ridge Holland, let's say, and Balor versus whoever doesn't lose the thing next week. Let's say Kushida. Mm. And then we're going to have those, uh, those singles matches. And Finn and Gargano are going to win those two singles matches, and they're going to be in the ladder match. And then one of those two is going to win the, 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 the North American title. So we're not going to have – it's not going to be a thing where we're going to bring up new talent. We're just going to put it on Finn Balor or Johnny Gargano, who are two of the most established talents on the entire roster. But here's the deal and why I'm holding out hope. I know this is never going to happen, but when you say a week out, of, out ahead of time, we're going to do a mystery opponent – as part of this triple threat, it's got to be somebody. It's got to be somebody important, somebody we were not expecting. So my my hope, against all hope, is that it's Mustafa Ali because Raw has already shown they're not going to do anything with him. Now I don't even know if I expect him to. If I would, if he was in that match, if I would expect him to win sure. it. But NXT is the place for Mustafa Ali. It always has been. Um, the the idea that that the the two hundred five live original cast was never allowed to be in, in NXT. And the, the new guys are part of that. And he missed out on that because they called him up to SmackDown and then he got hurt and they forgot about him for seven months. That does, that's, that's not fair to Mustafa Ali. I think that he was on the bump today. Apparently, I didn't watch it, but Jeremy Lambert watched it. Wrote a really great article about he, was just, he just wants to be able to tell a story. And the place where you uh, still maybe uh, until the parasite infects the host, you still may be able to tell those stories is NXT. I think that that's would be a great way to like, they, they brought him back, put him on raw. He won a, he, he got a pinfall in a triple in a, a six man tag. He got squashed the next week. And this week he's on main event. So they've already decided they're not going to use him on raw. Why not put him on NXT? But I, all I know is that they better not be like, Hey, look who it is. It's Bobby fish. Like it can't be somebody that we were not, excited about who is the mystery sure. opponent next week it's got to be somebody somebody sure. uh, if you if you want your mystery surprise reveals to, to to work it has to be someone who's unexpected louis do you have any thoughts on who perhaps the uh, mystery third uh, person could be against uh, kushida and uh, cameron grimes i hope <laughs> it's kyle o'reilly oh okay because you, I would love well, to. I would love to see Kyle O'Reilly in that match. Him and Kushida are magic together. It would be ultimately disappointing on a surprise level. It like would it, be, you know. But I mean, I'm just hoping for a Kyle O'Reilly single single. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it it would be nice. To see, uh, I mean, I I'm more thinking of it from a realistic stance as opposed to Mustafa Ali, who I think would be awesome. In that role, just realistically, who I think I could see being in there, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, possibly someone like Carl. I mean, hey, maybe it'll be Dabakato from Raw Underground. <laughs> they really want to push that guy, Dabakato. I hear so. 
I dig seeing Ricochet back to be perfectly. Uh... Oh, literally any of those any of those types of guys who were stuck on Raw and SmackDown, send them all to NXT. Send them all to NXT. Let them do stuff. And, mm. and your boy Alistair Cedric. Black was written off TV recently too. So, we'll see. <laughs> He's blind. It's like he can't. Leave. He gains his sight back from switching days. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> on Raw, he is blind, but on NXT, you can hey, see. Hey, you know what? Lyric. I could buy a man regaining his eyesight within a week much more than being saved by Dominic Mysterio. But that's a that's whole true. that's a whole other thing. Uh, I like the, the uh, Mysterio thing. We go to the outside to Damian Priest and Bronson Reed in the parking lot. Priest is uh, talking to Reed, telling him that his win was a fluke. And he's going to win the, the, the vacant belt at TakeOver. And challenges uh, challenges him to a match. Alex, we're going to get to Damian Priest versus Bronson Reed. Yeah. What do you think about the segment? Um, It's uh, interesting. Um, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for Priest versus Reed. That looks that that could be a lot of man meat slapping against each other. That's cool. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this whole thing. Like, as this just to me seems like you don't want either guy to take a loss, before Takeover Thirty. So who's interfering? A double count out? Are they going to brawl too right. much and the ref has to stop it? Like, what's what crazy stupid? illegitimate finish from Raw or SmackDown are they going to inject into NXT to make that the thing? I don't I don't need that. The the five or six minutes we're going to get of those guys fighting before the disqualification finish will be fun, but ultimately it's going to be pointless. Um, but I, I did appreciate um, this, the tone shift in Priest, like just being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And then Bronson Reed being a, being a good dude and saying, hey, congratulations on the on the victory, I'll I'll see you take over thirty, and Priest being like, um, no, I'm still a tweener. Remember, I'm not I'm not a babyface yet, so I have things to say. And him just getting in, in Reed's face and saying like, it's cute and all that you're in this match, but don't get any ideas. You're not gonna win. Like he could have easily just let that slide and say, hey, Bronson, thanks, and then turn to the to the interviewer and go like, he's got no shot. But he wanted to make it about Bronson Reed to Bronson Reed's face, mm-hmm. like that. That's how you keep a guy. Um, in the gray area, and that's that's good because it did feel kind of rushed. The whole like Damian Priest had a good showing versus Finn Balor, so now he's a babyface because a guy who wears a hat slashed his tires. Like that doesn't that doesn't track for me. So I like that he's still in the gray area, and maybe he'll do a full babyface turn later. But right now, he still should be like in that little tweener part. We got a super chat from the Line Drive. Thank you very much. Who says the mystery opponent should be Kevin Owens? Cross is running through the War Games participants. Orton writes off Owens on Raw. Owens comes to NXT. I mean, there's there's a lot of elements that make sense, you know. Well, yeah, it depends on it depends on how they write him off. If he gets punted in the temple on Monday and then shows up on Wednesday ready to work, I'm like, guys, I don't I don't think that I don't think that tracks. Uh, you know, I think I think Kevin Owens. But that's but that's. That's just me wanting, you know, a little cross-branded consistency. I know I'm crazy. Yeah, then he... Let's be honest. Raw probably doesn't have the luxury of being able to go, Kevin Owens? Sure, take him. <laughs> no, of course. They have about no, they... babyface at the moment, and one no. of them is Dominic Mysterio, who hasn't wrestled before. Next, next world champion. 
Dominic Mysterio. I'm invested in his story. <laughs> They're pushing him so hard; it's ridiculous. Next, they need Ray to return. Next, uh, well, uh, Pat McAfee shows up and joins uh, and, and joins Tom on commentary, which we'll get to in a little while. Uh, we got Tegan Knox versus Indy Hartwell. Um, pretty straightforward here. Hartwell uh, gets in Knox's face, uh, bragging about how she defeated. Shotzi Blackheart, so Tegan hits her with a headbutt just for equal measures. Um, Hartwell gets some offense in, but uh, Tegan eventually gets back in control, hits a bulldog running senton in the corner. Shiniest wizard for the win. I don't know what more there is to say here, Alex, but uh, perhaps you can add a sprinkle or two. This is just them keeping Tegan relevant, um, you know, uh, letting her tread water near the top of the division uh, for a while while they're not really using her in anything. And honestly, what this was was just like, hey, uh, some of you may not be familiar with Pat McAfee's work. Some of you may be under the impression that you'd like to root for him. Well, let us put him on commentary and have him be a douche. Um, And then you can realize by the end of the night, oh, we shouldn't like this guy. Because every time Pat McAfee's been on, you know, bucking the system, insisting on wearing shorts when he's doing the, the pre-show at WrestleMania and all that kind of stuff. We're like, I like this dude. He's wacky. You know, he's he's a he's a rebel. He's a he's against the man. So I like this guy. And so now they gotta put him on commentary to let it let him make really dumb and and egomaniac compliment, uh, comments so that by the end of the night we're going like, I wanna see this guy get his ass kicked. So that's basically what this was, just let let him be the story. Him being on commentary and just being a, a jerk. Anakin left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin. He says, Alex, you bring up Angel Garza proposing to his girlfriend in the ring all the time when he flirts with Charlie. Do you yep. really still believe there could be brand consistency between NXT and Raw? No. I hope for it. I always hope for it. And there's, there's like, like, I understand the whole, like, oh, we brought Angel Garza up from, from, NXT, where he was a babyface, we made him a heel on day one, and that, all that stuff that was in NXT, that doesn't make any sense to me. I understand them doing that, even though I hate it. They, like, them basically saying, oh my god, Owen's career could be over, because he was kicked in the head by the Viper, and then 48 hours later, him going like, I'm in the, the North American title tournament. <laughs> I'd be like, no, I'm sorry, that's, that's, a, that's a bridge too far for me. Imperium successfully defended their NXT Tag Team Championships against the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. Uh, during the, uh, during the, as the Undisputed Era came out, Mc, uh, McAfee uh, went over his history with Adam Cole, started talking about it a bit. Uh, everyone's, uh, the entire Undisputed Era is out there, uh, and uh, Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are in control to start. Uh, right until Aigner catches Bobby Fish, Bobby Fish and hits a backbreaker, and Fish is your baby face in peril for the majority of this match here. Um, Fish drops Aigner uh, at some point and gets the hot tag to Kyle O'Reilly, and Kyle O'Reilly, I I do believe this is his first uh, in ring appearance since uh, since the uh, the COVID struck us, yeah. uh, and boy, he was raring to go. Series of strikes, axe kick, and forearms. On uh, on Eichner, a dragon screw leg whip on Bartel in the corner, bombs his knee and then uh, from the top rope, uh, then uh, <laughs> locks Bartel's leg in with a submission. Uh, Bartel tries to reach the the rope to break it up, but Fish hits a diving headbutt to break that up. 
Uh, and uh, Kyle O'Reilly locks it back back in. But Aikner breaks it up with a springboard moonsault. This was a great sequence. Uh, meanwhile, Cole is confronting McAfee at uh, commentary saying, you know what? I can hear everything you're saying because McAfee's been doing short jokes, Alex, th throughout the entire, you know, because... I'm sure they have tons of those on the uh, Creative Room's whiteboard. Uh, they were just like scratching them off as they went along here. Um, but basically telling McAfee that he needs to chill out. Cole ends up throwing some water at him. They start to argue. Hey, this is how big a situation, a volatile situation it was. Triple H and Shawn Michaels come up to try and keep the peace here. This They're not just sending, they're not just sending uh, Pat Buck out here. No, no, no. They're sending the heavy hitters. But in the meantime, Imperium hit the European bomb for the win. But the heated discussion continues with Adam Cole and uh, Adam Cole and McAfee. Um, McAfee ends up calling uh, Cole a tiny idiot short baby bitch. And they start to scrap. And, and he punt kicks Cole in the head. So that was uh, that's how it ended up. That's where we're at now. They're clearly leaning into this feud here, Alex. Uh, you kind of feel like the match was in service of the angle here. Tell us about your thoughts regarding all of this. I'm convinced you have a few. I mean, I, I, it was so great to see Kyle O'Reilly back in action. Like I, I, I missed him uh, a lot. Um, uh, he, you could tell he was like he, he was the guy who had not been able to wrestle for a yeah. long time and was like really raring to go. Um, I thought the match was fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it, was, it was as good as as good as could be expected between between these these four guys. These guys are all consummate professionals. The problem I have with it is that is that is that you have you've booked O'Reilly and Fish as like incredibly intelligent wrestlers, mm -hmm. um, and and for. For Kyle O'Reilly to see Cole arguing with McAfee, being held back by all these people, and walk over like, hey, hey guys, what's going on? On the apron, so he can get knocked off the apron so they can do the big move to fish and win. I mean, I guess maybe it's because O'Reilly's like a little, got a little ring rust also in, in the brain. He's got ring rust in the brain, and he forgot to not do that. Um, but the angle with, with McAfee and Cole... I mean, Adam Cole is on the short list of guys who on the could be what? considered like <clears throat> on the less tall list of guys that that could be that be could, could be considered um, among the best in the world at what they do. Like, really, he could be. Um, and so, to go from I've been the champion for four hundred days to I'm going to work with this dude who's never had a match before at Takeover Thirty seems like a lot of steps down mm -hmm. like like if 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 being champion for 400 days is like the observation deck of the empire state building then then um then all the way down to to to, to having a match with pat mcafee is like the bottom of the mariana trench like it's it's a that's a long that's a lot of steps um i think it'll be fun i think cole will, will be great at at making mcafee look like however many millions of dollars they want him to look like. But it is a, it's a weird thing for them to be doing with Cole at this point, right after Cole loses the, the belt. Um, and 
the McAfee thing, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Does he have a thing that they're trying to get over on the USA network? Like, what is what is his angle in, like, what are they... The celebrity they, they went and got was Pat McAfee for him to have a match with. It just feels like... I, I don't... I don't. I think they think it's going to be a bigger deal than it is. Now, believe me, I love that there's long-term storytelling going on. Like, these guys have hated each other and been sniping at each other in, like... But again, you'd have to have watched those, like, watch-alongs they do for the pay-per-views, where it's, like, Cole sitting on a couch... And McAfee like just jacking his jaw over behind him and like and and Cole like, why are you even here? Like they've done that a dozen mm-hmm. times over the past couple of years. So I like that there's a, that continuity. At the same time, Cole versus McAfee is gonna be one of your co-main events, probably on on Takeover 30. What a what a great way to ring in the anniversary. So uh, out of interest, as a Brit who doesn't do yeah. the NFL. What is a Pat McAfee? Pat McAfee was a punter, which is um, the the lowest on the rung of positions in in football and maybe in all of sports. If your team is good, they don't need to use you at all. Um, now, he was a good one and retired early because he's smart, because even if you're being, even if you're a punter, you don't need to risk injury. You can, he, he made all the money he needed to do. He retired. He went off. He's much more famous now as a guy who used to play football than he was ever as a football player. Um, And, and, but, but was he good at what he did when he was playing? Yes. Is it, is it hilarious to have a punter saying short jokes about somebody, especially when they're true that he is a, seriously several inches taller than Adam Cole, who is hilariously listed at six feet tall. That is actually very funny because punters are always the smallest guys on the team. So yes, this is all, um, it's, it's not like he's having a match with Tom Brady. It's very, very, very far, far, far cry from him be having a match with a, with an American football star or, 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 or yeah. a former football star uh, uh, or like Troy Aikman, you know, who has a s- strong career sure. uh, as a broadcaster yeah. as well. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's a different level. Yeah. No, no, it's not. Yes. I, listen, I, I really like Pat McAfee stuff that he does when he talks about sports. Sure. He's got a really interesting take on that. And he, he craps all over the whole like rule book of how we're supposed to take everything so serious. He's like, no, this isn't like, I, I would love to see him actually do commentary for football games. He did that for college games last year. He was great. Cause he was just like making jokes the whole time. And like, like telling you, well, this guy, you could tell that guy's not like paying attention. Look at him. He's looking at his shoes. Like he's pointing out fun stuff through the, through the games. But I doesn't mean, I think he should have like a major, marquee match versus Adam Cole who could be considered the greatest NXT champion of all time. Anakin left us another super chat. Thank you. Anakin says loved Triple H pushing Pat in the NXT locker room, shoving Pat out the door down for face Cole. He's very likable on his up, up, down, down uh, streams. I don't know if he's going to be the face really. We'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Um, he, he, he was defenseless and got kicked in the head by a dude who used to kick things for a living. That's a, He's the face, certain, currently he's the baby face. Well, that was NXT, folks. That was quite a show. We're going to move on now to AEW Dynamite. Remember, 
You can always leave us a super chat. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card bill save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get three pound rolls of juicy 80 lean ground beef for 349 a pound with a digital coupon then get select varieties of flavorful powerade body armor super drink or arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details and we will continue to read your question or comment. And we, we got a lot for AEW tonight. Hang in there, Louie. We got a lot to cover. And we're going to start straight off with the Super Chat, actually. Zach Barber left us one. Thank you, Zach. He says, we must have been watching different AEW show, a different AEW show, excuse me, if NXT beat it, especially with that main event. Well, you know, there was, there's, this is all very arbitrary to begin with. And yeah, the main event ruled. But uh, did hey you know there's there's an there's an entire two hours that you have to walk through. Let's start. We'll go mm-hmm. right ahead with the uh, twelve man tag team match that featured the Young Bucks, FTR, and uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus the Dark Order, Brody Lee, uh, Uno, Grayson, Number Nine, Number Five, and Colt Cabana, all officiated by Rick. What are the rules again? Knox. Nick Jackson hits a running, jumping Hurricane Rana early on because that's fantastic, and he's really good at doing that stuff. Uh, the uh, baby faces hit a triple vertical suplex at some point as well. Dax and Cash do a triple team on the Dark Order, and uh, they actually specifically ask for Adam Page to come in to be the third guy on this triple team, continuing to sow seeds. Uh, Dax actually hurts himself during the match, and he's carried uh, to the back of the uh, to backstage by Cash, of course, and Adam Page. Ooh, Louis continuing to sell all these uh, souls of Discord, aren't they? Firstly, fantastic way to start the show. I mean, twenty seconds into the broadcast starting, Brody Lee was doing a senton from the uh, apron into the ring i mean if that's how you want to start a show that's how you start a show which was fantastic mm-hmm. so um this was sort of chaotic really fun uh yeah the, those the storytelling was awesome the in-ring action was great and sort of chaotic but the storytelling was real good of sort of dax and cash them asking page to come in them selling uh, the injury and then them and page walking to the back Sort of, again, Page prioritizing his friendship with them over his friendship with the Elite. So, yeah, the storytelling in, in this one, definitely the early stages, uh, was was really, really good. I thought it was a strong way uh, to start the show. If there's one thing that AEW does very well, semi-consistently, there's been just a couple of hiccups. But starting off the show with a fast-paced, uh, a fast-paced, really crazy match, they're really good at, at drawing you in from the get-go. Um, Adam Page gets the hot tag at some point and hits his classic awesome 
Hot tag with uh, lariats, pescados, and dives. Moonsault off the top turnbuckle to the floor. Uh, Brody Lee does a dive onto Paige, uh, who is on the floor as well. Um, and uh, we even see uh, the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson do their combination cannonball sent on 450 uh, on on Paige. Uh, but, uh, but Paige kicks out. Eventually, it does take Brody Lee avoiding the buckshot lariat by Adam Page. Uh, to re reverse it and turn it into his own discus lariat, taking Page down for the win. Um, this what, like you said, this was a strong opening, and they're continuing this, uh, continuing the storyline as to where Adam Page's allegiances lie. And I dig it. Yeah, me too. And it was, it was nice. I think Brody Lee's been doing some great character work. Um, since his Moxley match, sort of been plodding along, doing doing nice stuff with Colt Cabana, but putting him over here was was a really really good choice. Definitely with the numbers advantage uh, that he had, it didn't feel like the Elite uh, lost too much, but it definitely felt like a big win for Brody Lee, where he can sort of press on now. So yeah, this was a great way to open the show and a really enjoyable sort of twenty minutes. I think yeah. it was. Yeah, it was. We see uh, Trent and Chucky e. T arriving to uh, to the arena, driving Trent's mom's van. We'll get to that in a very short while because we're going to talk about the match: Santana and Ortiz versus Trent and Chucky e. T. Um, I like this match uh, as well. Uh, Trent hits a meteora, uh, followed uh, on Ortiz, followed immediately by a Northern Lights suplex into a bridge as well. Uh, but the heels take over and they brawl to the floor. The ground Trent, who is your baby face in peril for most of this match here. Chucky e. T eventually does get the hot tag, hits a sliced bread and a falcon arrow, soul fooled on Ortiz, and then hits another falcon arrow. The best friends do an electric chair superplex, which is always fun. Uh, a double team DDT and sunset flip running combo by Santana and Ortiz. They go for the street sweeper, but it's interrupted by Chucky e. T, which allows Trent to roll up Ortiz for the win, much to the dismay of our friend Louis Dangour, who threatened to walk out on the show tonight because it was stipulated in his contract, his very, very, his 20-page uh, 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 intern contract, by the way. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, it was uh, mentioned that uh, nights that Santana and Ortiz lose matches, he doesn't do the show, but we were able to sweeten the mm. pot for him to come on tonight. I was going to say, if that was a rule, I wouldn't have been on the show because I don't think they've won. But um, listen, fantastic match. Probably the best match that LAX have had in some time. They're definitely this year. It was brilliant. I, I thought the action was great. These teams worked really well together, so I really enjoyed it. But this booking decision... So, right, firstly... Guys, in case you didn't realize, I'm a bit angry about this. So if you're not in the mood to hear me run, not just about this, about a few things, you're in for a rough half an hour. Because rant number one incoming. At least he's warning us. <laughs> I, I need to start doing that on, on Sarah Graps. It's like ahead of time, warning everybody. Okay, here we go. Rant number one. LAX are one of the best teams in the world. If I didn't watch Impact Wrestling, I would wonder why Chris Jericho is wasting his time hanging around with these idiots who never win. 
I'd be thinking these guys must be geniuses to have wormed their way into this relationship with Chris Jericho when they never win. It's just baffling how you they are one of the top teams in the world, mm-hmm. but just feel like a mid-card act in AEW. And it's sad. At this rate, they would have been far better suited going to WWE, going to NXT. They would have been treated far better, probably be tag team champions by now. In AEW, they don't feel like that. This was a fantastic match, but coming out of it, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking, why haven't they given LAX the win? They must have pissed someone off backstage because there's no other explanation for them losing so regularly. Someone goes, they're on a win streak. Dark doesn't count. They need to win matches on Dynamite, and they don't. Best Friends had their their sort of bit with... with, uh, uh, Omega and Page at Fighter Fest. Would it have really been so hard to have LAX win here? I get that after the match, they sort of would we'll talk. I'll talk about it now. They they vandalized uh, Sue's uh, Sue Beretta's van, tore it up a bit, showed a bit of a meaner side, which is great. But here's what you do: you have them win and then just kill the best friends after the match. Just it, for a company that is so wins and losses focused, have them win to show to to, to give us a reason to care. It's just uh, watching AEW. If I didn't watch Impact Wrestling, I I wouldn't know why anyone gave a crap about mm-hmm. LAX. I'd be thinking all these people on Twitter going LAX are great. I'd be going, are they? They never win. It's, it is just it, it for me. It was a going into this match. I, I said, "Oh, I'm out." If if Santana and Ortiz win, as a bit of a joke because I didn't think that that they'd lose, but they have. So this this really didn't wasn't great for me, and it, it was surprising that for me that they yeah. lost. Well, you, you know, you, uh, to your point, you can you can do that. Have that kind of argument regarding the entire inner circle to a certain extent. You know, they're supposed to be like the uh, the top heel faction in the company, but uh, when's the last time they won as a... Oh, no, they won as a group last week, didn't they? They yeah. did, but I but mean... It doesn't happen very often, is my point. It doesn't happen very often, and I mean, in a straight singles match, because uh, in a straight tag match, because, hey, they are a tag team, I can't remember the last time that they won sort of a big, meaningful match. Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin. He says, "Let the Louis let the rants flow. We all we always hear Warren rant, so it's only fair you get you get some in." Hashtag justice for DGMC again with those obscure uh, hashtags, which I don't quite understand. Um, so so there so that's it. So there you go. So the inner circle members get the loss. However after their match, a little later on, but we'll talk about it now since we're talking about the whole thing. Santana and Ortiz go to the outside and they find Trent's mom's van and they start to vandalize it, Louis. They smash the windows, mm-hmm. they beat it up, it. spray paint it. A little later on, the best friends uh, oversee the damage and they, uh, they say that... Uh, they they basically say you guys can do what you want to us, but don't trash my mom's van essentially, and they like they challenge for a rematch. 
So uh, this story's not quite done yet. They have plenty of time to 50-50 everyone. <laughs> but logic, the wrestling logic. Wait, wait, wait. So, so is the van going to get its win back? <laughs> They're 50-50 everybody. It's, it's, got, it's got more chance than Santana or Ortiz are getting a win on Dynamite, I'll tell you that. But um, logic dictates, wrestling logic dictates that best friends win. So that they get their comeuppance back sure. and they have to apologize to Trent's mom. And listen, if that happens, I am out. You are out. Like, I, I'm gone. Carlos, we may need you, Carlos, uh, be on call that night. You can. I will be fast asleep in bed. <laughs> That's fine. But uh, it, this, in all seriousness, it was nice to see a little bit of character. The serious sort of LAX, violent yes. LAX that we've been uh, looking for for a while. So hopefully, you know what, if if this win, if this loss, sorry, was is what sends them a bit stir-crazy, hopefully for a bit of a split within a circle and a reunion with Eddie Kingston, I'd like that. Just get them away from Inner Circle. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to see, to see a more serious side to LAX. So the next few weeks will hopefully tell, but it, this was at least me thinking, yes, they've lost, but hope that there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Anakin left us a super chat saying, no, LAX didn't win last week. Hardy pushed Sammy into Luchasaurus who won the match. That is correct. Thank you very much, Anakin. Peter Davies left us a super chat as well. Says, uh, thank you very much. Says, Santana pretty much hinted on Twitter that they're doing some long-term booking with them. I think them losing a lot is part of a longer story. Hope so. Okay. Should we just have Kenny Omega, the best wrestler in the world, lose every week? Because, hey, long-term booking, that's, that's not how stuff works. Firstly, give me a reason to care and then have the losing streak. This is just treating them like jokes, not they were a great team, former tag champs, were on top of the world, and now they're going down this downward spiral. It's sort of like they've never been at the top that means that their descent means anything it's just like they've been at this level forever i'm not thinking damn they've compared them to where they were six months ago their their fortunes are completely changed i'm just thinking they're the same they're being they're being treated the same as they were six months ago so it for me this long-term booking is just a way of saying no it's fine we know we're losing but please please still watch mjf and wardlow are at uh MJF's campaign headquarters. MJF uh, shows his staff. They're making posters and pins that will get sent out to people all over the world. Lee Johnson apparently can't use a level properly to put posters up. Uh, and uh, MJF uh, basically says the campaign, despite the fact that he's leading in the polls, the campaign won't end until he wins the AEW World Heavyweight, Ch World Heavyweight title. Campaign, campaign for what? But, you know, it's MJF. It's fine. It's an election year in the United States. Uh, fun little segment there, Louis. Do you have a few short thoughts on it? Yeah, it was really good. Anything MJF touches at the moment is gold. Um, yeah, I, I, I was a big fan of this. I think the whole presidential thing suits him well. Yeah, this was good. Really good. 
Matt Hardy is uh, gets into the ring and he says that he came to AEW to be respected and to have uh, a say in the pro in the projection of his career. Uh, he talks about how he uh, and AEW listen to their audience. Uh, and uh, Hardy says the audience wants him to focus on being himself. He's talked about this, about abandoning the broken gimmicks and all that stuff. So Hardy talks about working with Private Party and he'll always have their backs. He says he's been, he tried to help Sammy Guevara, but Guevara refused his help. Um, and uh, And then he starts to talk about what happened last week. Um, but then Guevara attacks him from, from behind and they, they start to brawl. It spills out of the ring. Hardy grabs a t uh, Guevara, slams him through the timekeeper's table. He sets up another table. Guevara knocks him uh, in, uh, into the ring post, gets Hardy on the table before throwing a chair at his damn face. Like, I know... He, Hardy started to bleed probably it was clearly a blade job but that chair mm -hmm. well that was no. nasty I don't think it was a clearly a blade job it may have been but that also I saw I, I saw that much blood I saw I saw I saw a chair get thrown at full force into a man's forehead so it's possible that uh that like a, a leg or something metal clipped his 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 yeah. forehead, but I don't say it was clearly a blade job. I saw a dude who just went away for sensitivity training throw a chair at his coworker's face. <laughs> I don't know how that's sensitive. I, I don't know if you guys. Me. I was gonna say I don't know if you guys know, but Sean's posted an update on it on Select, so people head on over there because he's got a bit of an update on whether this was, I guess, a work or not, whether it was a blade job and what the. Uh, how hard he is. So I won't give it away here, but uh, head on over to Fightful Select and check that one out. Yep, yep. Go do that. The plug. <laughs> We're definitely not giving it away. We're Go, go find out. So FightfulSelect.com, subscribe. But anyway, uh, Hardy is, is out on the table. Guevara leaps off the stage with a some kind of wild 450, corkscrew 450. Anakin JMT left us a super chat saying that 450 by Sammy was insane. It was. I honestly, I love this. I love this segment. I love this buildup. I know the because of Sammy's suspension, the his feud that he was developing with Matt Hardy was put on the back burner. Sort of came back last week. Didn't feel interesting, but ooh, they gave it a shot in the arm this week. What did you think, Louis? Yeah, this was this was really good as well. Back to back, two good segments. Um, sort of. Yes, Sammy Guevara might not pick up wins a lot, but I think his character is so good and he does such good work that it sort of excuses it and, and he he does well. What, what he does is very good. That 450 was insane. I, I'm Listen, if, as long as Matt Hardy's okay, the blood did add a, a nice little touch to it. It, it. it made it feel more, more dramatic, sure. I yeah. guess, especially it, it, as long as he's okay, I guess... Who knows? We've got the luxury of saying that. But, um, well, yeah, I, I was a fan of this, and I think that hopefully Hardy puts over Sammy in an eventual match. Could be could be really good for, for both guys. So, yeah, I, I was a fan of this segment. I thought it was nice, nice and edgy. I liked it. Rafael Garcia left us a couple of super chats. Thank you very much, Rafael. Uh, says, uh, first and foremost, rent, young man, rent. 
course, he's talking about Alex, who was, you know, a very, very, young very young spring chicken, actually. We've got more rants coming. Do not worry. I think worry. Raphael is, a, is anticipating one because he says, we listen, talking about Matt Hardy's promo, he says, we listen, except when it comes to the women. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To that. But, bef we but before will. we do, Silver and Reynolds took on Cody and Matt Cardona making his AEW debut. Um, Cody hits a, vert a vertical suplex. There's a gourd buster by Cardona and a neck breaker as well. Cody gets beat up on the floor and is your baby face in peril for the majority of this match. And this heels stay in control for most of it. Cody even eats a bunch of yes kicks until he hits a spinning power slam. Cardona gets the hot tag in. Missile drop kick. Cannonball, uh, cannonball drop kick to the outside. Cody hits a cutter. Dark Order do a nice German uh, combination, German suplex into match matchbook uh, cover. But Cardona gets the win with the radio silence. First time we've seen him on television in a while. Louis, what did you think about our boy Matt, the former Zack Ryder, uh, joining us once again on our television programming? To coin a phrase from my young friend across from me, he, he, he looked zacked. He was big. And you could tell he, he was full of it. And he was enjoying himself. He was wrestling a match he's probably gone to wrestle for years, tagging with Cody. It, it, it was great. It was great to see him. But rat number two. You, everyone prepared? We ready? Pop, popcorn at the ready? Ready. Not every match. Cody has, has to be a back-and-forth classic. He gives his opponent sometimes a little too much. Silver, yes, Dark Order are, from, are a formidable force. Why the hell did it take so long for him to get hot tag against Silver and Reynolds? Yes, they're a tag team. Yes, Matt Cardona and Cody Rhodes aren't, but Cody Rhodes is one of the top wrestlers in the company. Silver and Reynolds are not. Silver and Reynolds are a lower card tag team. Tell you what, this could have been solved very easily if they wanted to have this match. Have commentary put over the fact, listen, Cody's wrestling every week. Mm -hmm. We're not seeing main event Cody. We're seeing Cody who's tired, who's beaten down. Perhaps talk about his match with Eddie Kingston two weeks ago. Talk about how he's still dealing with knocks from that. Talk about that. Reference it. It needs to be played into the story. But every match is a bit, let's give you let's give you a lot. For me, you accomplish more by having some matches be five minutes, some matches be 10, some matches be 15 back and forth classics. But not every match has to be you put your opponent over so much and you give him a lot because it, it, they're not on the same level. They're not. It's for me. It's sort of like Cody and his TNT matches have been fantastic. They have been short term. Every week, you can guarantee you'll see a fantastic match out of Cody Rhodes. But sometimes they're a bit too long. Why does he give Warhorse, who was great and I really liked the match, so much? Because then it devalues when he's going to give Scorpio Sky, who he's facing next week, who I am very excited for. He'll also give him 15 minutes. If he went five minutes with Warhorse or seven minutes with Warhorse and 10 minutes in this tag match and then 20 minutes with Scorpio Sky, you go, crap, Scorpio Sky took him to the limit. 
But if everyone's taking him to the limit, it's a bit like, why is it special? So, for me, this match could have been shorter. Reynolds and Silva could have got could have give, been given less, or if they were given what they were given, have commentary play out more, have dark order at ringside, sort of uh, giving uh, giving them the numbers advantage. Because if not, we're not supposed to believe that they're on the same level as Cardona and uh, and Cody. But I mean, it would. All joke, all sort of uh, positive negativity out of the way. It was great to see Matt Cardona in AEW, and hopefully, I'm very excited for the future to see what happens. Next up, we have the Super Wednesday Debate 2020 with the special guest moderator Eric Bischoff, who he is back and better than ever, or so I'm told. And he comes out uh, to much fanfare. At least the, the TNT Twitter account got really, really excited to say that Eric Bischoff was back on TNT. I mean, it, 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 it is a big deal and it is special. And uh, he's moderating this debate between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. And uh, commentary really put over the fact that it was a big deal that Eric Bischoff was there. So it was that, that, that was that was fine. Um, basically he's going through a few questions. The premise here is that, is that Chris Jericho answers the questions while insulting Orange Cassidy, while Orange Cassidy just basically doesn't answer except for one answer, except for one question when Eric Bischoff asks about, uh, uh, global sea levels, uh, how, how much they've been rising over the past century. Uh, and what would you do to change that? Orange Cassidy has a very long response about it i've been told that it was uh it, it, it was a a line or at least a bit of uh, a bit of a soliloquy from the old school film i do believe um it was it funny it was funny it was I, fantastic the deadpan mm. response everything it was it, it was uh, it was fantastic Jericho calls uh, Orange Cassidy a pimple on the ass of the wrestling biz and next week he is going to pop him and give him the $7,000 the $7, that he requires to clean his jacket. And um, uh, Bischoff ends the debate by asking, why does this rematch mean so much to both of you? Jericho starts to answer, but Cassidy cuts him off. Says Cassidy says that he doesn't care if he's an embarrassment, but he cares about this match. It's the biggest match of his life. But also, he says, Chris, this could also be the biggest match of your career. What if you lose to me? There was an interesting response that clearly Chris Jericho didn't didn't enjoy. Bischoff awards the debate to Cassidy. Jericho takes offense to it, says, I have, Bischoff, I haven't liked you for 22 years. Bischoff re responds, it's been 24 and I know how you feel, <laughs> which, which I kind of popped for. Hager and Jericho uh, lay out Cassidy until the best friends come for the save. Dante left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says hot take. I wasn't a fan of the debate until Orange started talking. I love Jericho, but he's been doing the same promo for a month. Segment was too long. I thought it would it had a health a healthy bid uh, build. Excuse me. I will agree that Chris Jericho has been doing the same type of talking over the past few weeks. But uh, Louis, what did you think about this? The the uh, the the Wednesday night Super Wednesday debate. 2020 loved it i really loved it it was 
it was obviously a spoof on the presidential election this year. Uh, it was it it was hilarious. I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought this shouldn't have worked though. You put anyone else in this segment and it doesn't work. It's Chris Jericho being as charismatic as he is, and Orange Cassidy being exactly who Orange Cassidy is. That one response where he started talking about the rising sea levels. It was just it was fantastic. I really found this funny. I thought it was an effective build to next week. Yeah, I, I I was a big fan of this, and it it was it was nice to see Bischoff back. Uh, I interviewed him in May, and he told me he had no interest in returning to wrestling, and no interest in joining AEW. So I'll be speaking to him about why he lied to me. Welcome to the uh, business. Because, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, from what I've heard, he's the most honest of people. But uh, oh no, I'm just not necessarily but, him. You know, we'll see. Uh, but no, he it, it, it was it was it was great to see him. I thought he added a certain le- like it, it was weird seeing him on TNT again, and it was cool to see. He is a fantastic performer. He's great. I mean, I don't know who wrote his lines because they weren't English, some of them. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was great to see him back, and I thought this segment was was really quite good. Evan Wright left us a super chat. Thank you, Evan. Says uh, Bischoff back on TNT kind of felt right. Jericho is gold. Orange Cassidy feels like a big deal to me. Love this entire segment. Uh, I'll tell you this much, and Alex, if you want to chime in real quickly here, there's no way that Chris Jericho would be working in this type of segment, this type of scenario, if he didn't feel 100% 100 completely confident in working with Orange Cassidy. Uh, And this is the thing where Jericho is in his career. I think he wants to elevate new guys. I think he sees a lot of potential in, in, in Cassidy. And he knows how to make it work. And I think he proved it tonight. This is how you're going to get the best out of Orange Cassidy. And it's in these types of situations where he's opposed to the type of character that Chris Jericho is. Uh, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I think that, that Jericho is is working with, with Cassidy because he sees that Cassidy is absolutely... Uh, a future star, like star, star, like not like people who watch AEW know him and love him, but like people who don't watch wrestling know who Orange Cassidy is, like that kind of a star. Um, whenever like people who are like random celebrities see see video of of this guy being the lazy wrestler, and then they retweet like, "Who is this dude? I love this dude!" Like, okay. That's the kind of thing that's going to get people who don't even know what the hell's going on into watching it. That's a, that's a major commodity, and that's why Jericho's working with him. One thing about this segment that I loved and I wanted to do a little bit more of is I thought it was really funny that like Cassidy comes out, and uh, and then Jericho comes out with, uh, with uh, Hager holding the jacket, the orange juice stained jacket, and it really felt like the beginning of an episode of The People's Court. Where, like, the the plaintiff comes out with, like, this is the thing that I own that that guy damaged, and I want restitution. And I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, uh, now I need a wrestler's court with Eric Bischoff as Judge Wapner. Like, that's just something I need now. Next, we had Britt Baker uh, on ring, uh, at ringside uh, announcing who Swole's mystery partner is going, uh, not partner, but opponent is going to be tonight. Uh, if Swole defeats that opponent, she will get a shot at Brick Baker at All Out. And uh, Reba, or Rebel, is the choice to fight Swole, who essentially squashes her 
very, very short match, very, very short segment. But they did manage, despite despite uh, despite it all, throughout this segment to uh, plug AEW heels as of today within this very very short and uh, only women uh, only women segment during the entire show, uh, and also managed to not talk about the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup tournament um, throughout the entire evening. Actually, um, we've got a couple of super chats, Louis. I know you're excited to talk about. That time code right there. Anakin left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin, saying AEW having one women's match that was under four minutes is very mid-2010 WWE. Not a good look. I didn't even bother watching it because I knew it wouldn't last long. And Tegan Knox was on at the same time as well. Thank you, Anakin. Dante left us a super chat as well. Says, uh, thank you, Dante. Says, uh, four minutes, uh, uh, four minutes, 90 plus minutes into the show. In a match that should have been an absolute squash, AEW is failing their women's division. If I pay them $50, will they fix it? Probably referencing uh, the price that it costs to join the AEW Heels um, uh, uh, club that they're that they're setting up. Another super chat from Dante. Thank you. Says, give us the Abaddon vignettes, you cowards. It's not as if it's not as if they couldn't have taken the time to do some of that. Ricardo Lopez Ortiz left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. Ricardo says, if AEW isn't going to give us multiple women's matches, give us some video promos at least to let us know that they're doing something. Evan Wright left us a super chat, says, whatever y'all are about to say, I agree. <laughs> Louis, take the reins. I know. Uh, go right ahead. Rant number, th- rant number three. So this time, three minutes, 51 seconds. I didn't start this when the bell rang. I started this at the beginning of Britt Baker's promo. When sorry, not even that. When Britt Baker first appeared on the screen, I cut the time off as soon as the segment ended when it panned the commentary. So this isn't how long the match was. This is how long the women's segment was. This is how long the women got on a uh, two-hour show. On the day that AEW launches AEW Heels, which is supposed to make, which is supposed to be an initiative to make uh, wrestling a more inclusive place for women, which on its own is a fantastic thing to do and deserves to be applauded sure. because, with especially what we've seen recently, wrestling is very hard for women. So, if we can make anything, if we can have anything to make them feel more included in this, fantastic. But to have the audacity to put on four minutes of women's wrestling on a show the same day and have Tony Schiavone plug it is honestly disgusting. So you watch this show. I watched the show for the first time. Who's the women's champion? I don't know. She didn't appear on the show. Did anyone mention her? Was she shown? No. Who's the women's champion? I mean, if I, if I was only watching the show, I would assume it was Britt Baker and she was injured. And they were building to a match where she would defend against Big Swole. That that, but that's the only thing I w- I would know about if I was yeah. watching this show for the first time. And they've got two women, right? It's, uh, three, if you count Rebel, three women, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they they've not got a tournament going on or anything that that, that, that they want to promote. Nothing. They haven't got a, a a women's only show every Monday that they got to promote. No, of course not. You you haven't got something like that that you'd 
note. You wouldn't even show a video package. Just note that it's a thing. No, there wasn't a reference. Or if there was, it was so throwaway that none of us noticed it. It's, it's honestly so bad. Like, it's, it is the sort of thing, and I don't like making comparisons, but can you imagine if WWE launched a $50 a month program, or $50 a year, I think it is, to get, people in to get to know the women's wrestlers better to get women more interesting and then put four minutes of women's wrestling on that show twitter would be up in arms Mm -hmm. and it should be because it is wrong it's it's a complete disservice to women's wrestling it's a disservice to AEW. the promises that they made at the beginning of this where they said we're going to make women's wrestling a focal point of the show we're going to treat women's wrestling like it should be treated wwe is treating women's wrestling better than anyone Possibly with the exception of Impact Wrestling. Uh, AEW is... They have been dealt a tough hand with COVID, mm-hmm. with everything. Hikaru Shida could have had a short video package. The Cody Rhodes... Uh, uh, Matt Cardona match, if it had five minutes shaved off, would still have been too long. Give that five minutes to two separate women's video packages. Have a quick summary of the Britt Baker and Big Swole feud and have Hikaru Shida talk about anything, literally anything so you know who the women's champion is have something for Abaddon have a little five minute clip uh, or two minute clip showing of the tag tournament to encourage people to watch that it's it's laughable how bad the booking of the women's division is and people saying they need time, give them time Women's wrestling isn't something you give time to. It's not something that you go, oh, you know what, we'll give them time. No. Women's wrestling, it's, 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 it's just should be women's having great matches on TV. And they have shown that they can have good matches. Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose at Double or Nothing. It's not like they can't do it. They can. So why aren't they being given the opportunity to? It's honestly baffling. It's, um, it's... Yeah, there, somebody pitched a, a joke of an idea on Twitter uh, today that I retweeted. And it was great. And it's a joke, but it's better than anything they're doing. And the idea is that Britt Baker should hire Abaddon as an enforcer who goes in, like, wrecks people backstage and everything. And the only way that we figure out that it's Britt Baker who's behind it is that Abaddon smiles and she's got a mouthful of perfect pearly white teeth. That was in re- in return for that because Ab- because Abaddon's got the friggin' crazy snaggletooth. Like that'd be awesome if that was the way we. And again, that's a joke, but it's so much better than the nothing they're doing with anybody mm-hmm. else on television in the women's division. And you're right, Louis. We would never accept this. From, from WWE and the idea that what I hear back is from like well AEW doesn't have the roster of women that, that AWWE does and like that doesn't matter like 3 minutes 51 seconds is not acceptable if they only have one woman on the roster you still give her a four and a half minute promo like it's a two hour show it, 
Mm. Uh, so it's to the to to the point here. I'm gonna. There's a super chat from Zach Barber that I was saving towards the end here. Uh, thank you, Zach. By the way, says I understand the frustration with AEW's women division, but what would you take away from tonight's show to add another women's match? And this is something that I hear quite a bit uh, in 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 these arguments because I've I've been in uh, in these debatable situations in regards to women's wrestling quite a bit because it's no secret that I'm uh, that that I'm very very pro women. Uh, pro women in wrestling and I love women's matches and so on and so forth. This is an argument that I hear a lot of times. And to me, I question why this is anything valid. What would you take away? It's not as if the company is that, that the matches are happening without the companies giving it any direction. It's like, Oh, well, geez, Louise, uh, look, we have all these matches booked for tonight. I don't know where we could put the women. If the women, if the women's division was treated seriously, they would make time for them. It's just that simple. It's not what you would take mm. away. It's how you would add women to your show. What would you take away tonight? Nothing. Because AEW decided to not add more women on their shows. And that's the thing. These are decisions. Executive decisions that AEW is making in regards to their women. They want to give... Uh, they want to give... Cody and and uh, Matt Cardona a ten a ten minute match. Okay, cool, that's fine. They w in regards to in regards to this, it's not about taking away. It's about creating a level of equality. It's giving a playing field that is open for everyone. And in AEW, it's not. Women's division is not interesting right now, and they don't seem to be interested in it. It would have cost them. Six, 60 seconds to do a recap of the tournament on Monday with some highlights, some big moves, Nyla Rose doing licking her hand and stuff like that, and then join us next Monday, boom, and that's it. But they didn't do it. Yeah. They just chose not to do these things. It's never a question of what you take away. It's a question of, are you deciding to do this? Oh, yeah. well, all right, you decided to give three minutes and less than four minutes to your women tonight. Fine. We get it. If, if one of my, if one of uh, my female friends said to me, listen, show me some good women's wrestling at the moment. I would have to show them and actually not have to, I would show them a product put out by Vince McMahon. Yeah. Uh, That's what I'd show them. I'd show them raw where ba Bailey and Sasha Banks run throughout the show, have some great matches, have some great segments. I show them SmackDown, where Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are doing some great work. The fact that I am showing them a product put out by Vince McMahon, who had Trish Stratus bark for him like a dog over AEW, is a problem. And it's, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it is, uh, and people say, oh, they haven't got the roster. So they've signed Ricky Starks. They've signed Eddie Kingston. Brian Cage. They've signed a plethora of other names. Brian Cage. I mean, I think reports where he was signed in January. But regardless, this is not a company who has had to let, lay anyone off. There is a plethora of talent on the independent scene that you can give some time to. Even if it's to bring in as a bit of an enhancement match where they don't win. Put them in for five minutes against Nyla Rose. Put them in for five minutes against Hikaru Shida. Have... Something with Eva Leeson and uh, Diamante have something. Just give that is a bit of substance. 
that is not three minutes and 51 seconds. And I know I'm going to be called negative for ranting here, but it comes out of a place of me genuinely liking AEW, liking the product that they put out and wanting the best for them. And me thinking this this is great. This is absolutely their greatest weakness. It's 100% their greatest weakness. And if they would figure out a way to make this like 10 times better, they would absolutely be the superior product on television. 100%. I agree. Evan Wright uh, left us a super chat. Thank you, Evan, saying Shaza McKenzie on Twitter literally gave these guys the tools uh, of the great, uh, or I guess he, he meant the uh, the names of the great women free agents in the U.S. to call uh, to add to their women's roster. Make the calls, man. Yeah, she did that uh, last week, actually. DGMC uh, left another super chat as well. Says, uh, thank you very much, by the way. Says, are we going to act as if AEW had a decent-looking division to start with 18 months ago? They did and do have a huge mountain to climb. This will take years. I disagree. I don't think it will take years because I think that the hurdles the hurdles in regards to women's wrestling acceptance in general is fine. Um, I, I, they just need to be serious about it. Give them the time and hire the right talent. I don't think it's a question of years. They this should have been this should have been okay out the gate. I agree. COVID screwed up, but then you pivot and you make other decisions. You find other people. So we have Mercedes Martinez on NXT today. Why the hell is she not AEW Women's Champion right now? There you go. Why the hell after All Out didn't they go? You know what? We'll take you. You mm-hmm. are a veteran who yep. can help the younger talent who might not be as experienced. All I hear is all the AEW talent are not experienced. Some of the women's division. Sign Mercedes Martinez, who has been doing this for years. Bring her in. Deonna Perazzo, when she got released. Why has AEW literally not gone, what do you want? Come here. She is the fantastic women's wrestler. Bring her in. She got name value. It's laziness. Anakin left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin. Says AEW also shows the value they don't put in their women by their recent hires. The percentage of men hired versus women is staggering. Yeah, it is. It's a three to one ratio. DGMC uh, left another super chat. Thank you very much. Says, do we sacrifice quality for equality? Because that's what AEW has gotten themselves into. Men are stacked in, in terms of consistent entertainment. Women aren't. I'm glad you're able to make that assessment because we haven't been seeing the women really on TV. So... If you're, because I I respectfully disagree, because Hikaru Shida and Penelope Ford had a hell of a match a couple of months ago. Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose had a had a hell of a match a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago as well. You just have to give them time. If you don't let them wrestle, you don't let them wrestle in front of television. They will never improve. Guys, we have to move on here. We're gonna go over the uh, John Moxley versus Darby Allen match. Thank you everyone for your super chats, by the way. Um, so uh, look. Um, we're going to we're going to go a little fast over this one, but this was a good, good, strong match. Mox uh, even had a promo beforehand saying, "You know what? I understand that you're gonna you're not gonna do what I say, but when I tell you it's time to lay down, just lie down and don't get back up." But I liked it. I, the this level of respect between Mox and Allen, I really dug it going into this. Um, it was it was strong from the get go uh, with uh, Mox beating Allen down. Uh, uh, for the for the better part of the first uh, for the better part of the first part of the match, excuse me. Allen fights back with a lucha arm drag, drop kick, and a suicide dive through the ropes onto the stage. Mox launches him off the stage and onto the post, tosses him around. Of course, uh, there's some interference between uh, from Wardlow that allows MJF to run in and clobber Mox with the belt, while Rick Knox's back is turned. Of course. 
there's a coffin drop that follows, but Mox kicks out at 2.9, and Mox is bleeding from the head. Uh, there's another coffin drop, but Mox catches him into a sleeper. Darby fights out, but a paradigm shift lays him out for good. Darby passes out. Louis, what did you think of the match? Hot take number four. Rant number four. No, I'm joking. <laughs> this was... This was good. This was really good. This was fantastic. It was, it was, it was nice to end on a positive note of what overall was a decent show. It was a fantastic world title match. It was two guys who know each other well. Who I'm very happy didn't have a thumbtacks, barbed wire, baseball bat, electric light bulbs exploding dragon fireballing whatever the hell they do in czw i'm happy they had a wrestling match that was great and thoroughly enjoyable it was a fantastic 15 minutes and honestly if you catch anything from the show catch that because it was very enjoyable fun throughout it was it was great for both guys alan was resilient i think they put over he was the only guy to kick out of the gotch power driver which put him over we had a, an awesome death rider. It, it was it was really good. I, I liked this match a lot, and it was a great way to end the show. It was a great way to end the show. It was a very, very strong main event. And that's your Wednesday Night Wars podcast for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us. Louis, why don't you let the good folks know where they can follow you on social media? So follow me at the Louis Dangle. I think I'll be getting a few angry people in my mentions over the next couple of hours with people I've already had one saying I'm a shitty friend for suggesting a WWE women's match to my friend. But okay, we we move. Uh, but yeah, follow me on Twitter there. WrestleTalk interviews as well. We've got an interview going up this week with Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze, where we talk about their uh, school flatbacks, uh, their times obviously with Spears with AEW and uh, uh, Breeze with NXT. I've got an interview going up with Drake Maverick and Matt Cardona the following week. So uh, yeah, we got a lot going on there. So check that out. And yeah, apologies for the rants, by the way. Never apologize for the rants, Alex. No. Speaking of which, where can people follow your stuff? You can follow me at Alex Sour Graps on the Twitter. Uh, I was wanted to know. I wanted to thank uh, the generous sponsors over at Lemonade. Lemonade is now the official beverage of Sour Graps uh, because it gives me the sour power. That's that's our slogan. Sour power from Lemonade. I'll be drinking lemonade during every episode of Sour Graps because Lemonade, the generic beverage, not a, not a brand. We're still looking for a brand, but the generic beverage of lemonade is now the official beverage of Sour Grabs. And you can follow, uh, you can also listen to Alex uh, two times a week on Fightful Select. Subscribe today, Sour Grabs, backstage reports, Q&As, extra content from the list in your boy. Look, there's something for you, waiting for you, and little tidbits on what happened backstage at AEW, that kind of stuff. Subscribe today, FightfulSelect.com. And you can follow me on uh, YouTube at youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. I want to thank everyone for joining us this evening. We'll see you next time.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.